0: Good morning, friends. Today is Wednesday, the 12th of February, 2020. Our readings for this morning are Psalm 119, verses 97 through 120, Genesis 27, 1 through 29, and Romans 12, 1 through 8. Will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God. Let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore them. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to God with psalms. For God is a great God, and a great ruler above all gods. In God's hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are God's also. The sea is God's, for God made it, and God's hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before God our Maker. For this is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. O that today you would hearken to God's voice. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore them. Psalm one nineteen, verses ninety seven through one hundred and twenty. how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O God, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O God, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever, to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Go away from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise, that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up, that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you count as dross, therefore I love your decrees. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Genesis, chapter 27, verses 1 through 29. When Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called his elder son Esau and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, See, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Then prepare for me savory food such as I like, and bring it to me to eat so that I may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Jacob said Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me game and prepare for me savory food to eat, that I may bless you before God before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my word as I command you. Go to the flock and get me two choice kids, so that I may prepare from them savory food for your father, such as he likes. And you shall take it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to his mother, Rebekah, Look, "'My brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a man of smooth skin. "'Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him "'and bring a curse on myself and not a blessing.' "'His mother said to him, "'Let your curse be on me, my son. "'Only obey my word and go. "'Get them for me.' "'So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, "'and his mother prepared savory foods such as his father loved.' Then Rebecca took the best garments of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob, and she put the skins of kids on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the savory food and the bread that she had prepared to her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau your first bu- your." For- your I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went up, to his father Isaac, who felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy, like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son. It is like the smell of a field that God has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle 10, the second song of Isaiah. Seek God while God wills to be found, and call upon God when God draws near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the evil ones their thoughts. Let them turn to God, and God will have compassion. And to our God, for God will richly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says God. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as rain and snow fall from the heavens and return not again, but water the earth, bringing forth life and giving growth, Seed for sowing and bread for eating, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I have purposed and prosper in that for which I sent it. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Romans, Chapter Twelve, Verses One through Eight. I appeal to you, then, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect for by the grace given to me i say to everyone among you you not everyone i say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, Ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. I believe in God Almighty. Creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, who descended to the dead, who on the third day rose again, who ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God who will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our Creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your nation come your will be done on earth as in heaven give us today our daily bread forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil for the nation the power and the glory are yours now and forever amen show us your mercy O God and grant us your salvation clothe your ministers with righteousness Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O God, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. God, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O God, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins, and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom, defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. Christ, light of light, brightness indescribable, the wisdom, power, and glory of God, the Word made flesh. You overcame the forces of Satan, redeemed the world, then ascended again to God, the Creator in heaven. Grant Jacob and Jack, Colin and Paul and Oscar, we pray in this tarnished world, the shining of your splendor, Send your Archangel Michael to defend us, to guard our going out and coming in, and to bring us safely to your presence, where you reign in the one holy and undivided Trinity, to ages of ages. Gracious God, only source of life and health, help, help, comfort and relieve your precious creation and give your power of healing to those who minister to their needs that their weakness may be turned to strength and confidence in your loving care for the sake of Jesus Christ, amen. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. O blessed God, you minister to all who came to you. Look with compassion upon all who through addiction have lost their health and freedom. Restore to them the assurance of your unfailing mercy. Remove from them the fears that beset them. Strengthen them in the work of their recovery. And to those who care for them, give patient understanding and persevering love. Amen. O God, whose fatherly care... O God whose love and care reacheth to the othermost parts of the earth, we humbly beseech thee graciously to behold and bless those whom we love, now absent from us. Defend them from all dangers of soul and body, and grant that both they and we, drawing nearer to thee, may be bound together by thy love in the communion of thy Holy Spirit, and in the fellowship of thy saints. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. I think we have time this morning for a few thoughts. Of course, I am doing this almost first thing after waking up. I did go to the bathroom first, but so this is definitely the first fruits and then I might be rushing after. (laughs) So our psalm this morning, I want to look at this through a little bit of a different lens. Um, so we're going to talk about it a little bit differently than we talked about it last time we read this together. Let's look at, let's think about this through the, the law of love. So how would it be if if we loved the law of love, um, which is, you know, Christ's greatest commandment, and we meditated on that all day long. It was foremost in our thought. I believe that it would indeed, and this ties back to the Sunday reading at Eucharist, so we didn't read it together, I don't think, but it was from Corinthians, and um, it did speak to the understanding given by the Holy Spirit to be greater than the understanding of men, and greater than than the Wisdom of Current Rulers on Earth. It was a very good reading. Um, if you didn't read it, I would go back and read it. I believe it was 1 Corinthians 1 or 2 through 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 through either 12 or 16. Um, but anyway, this is very related. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for it is always with me. Yeah, I believe the wisdom that we gain from the Holy Spirit regarding love is greater than the world's understanding. I think that's absolutely true. It is greater than any human understanding. So what would it be like if we really listened and trusted the voice of the Holy Spirit, our discernment, and, and even that deep discernment that resides within us beyond words, and beyond human understanding. I talk a lot about, or I hear a lot about this um, from various sources in my life, that that we don't do, especially women in our culture, um, are taught not to trust ourselves. And even, you know, I've realized even in our times together, friends, when I share with you um, just what comes to me on the scriptures, I often feel like I am. And I used to say this. I used to have like a disclaimer at the beginning of every of every podcast. Um, I feel like I'm not really qualified to talk to you about the scriptures because I'm not yet a priest. Um, I'm not even in seminary yet. I definitely don't have a degree in theology or I'm not considered a subject matter expert on um, biblical texts, you know. And, and so we turn to those who are on earth supposed to be wiser and more learned than us. And there's something to be said for listening to other sources. But we also, I really think we need to, it sounds a little fruity, but get in touch with and listen to our deepest selves because I do think that the Holy Spirit who resides within us has something to say to us through ourselves. I think I think we're a pretty fragmented creation And I think that's part of what the resurgence of Celtic spirituality is all about, is reconnecting creation, ourselves to ourselves, all parts of ourselves, and to the rest of God's creation, and really tapping into that life beat, that rhythm of creation of the Holy Spirit through creation. And I think living according to Christ's love and according to the divine within us and in all of God's creation, I do think that that is a wisdom greater than I was going to say any earthly wisdom, but we've just talked about like creation and the earth being part of creation. But maybe I should say that in terms of any manufactured creation. That's not to say that learning and education are worthless. Not at all. But to say that eschewing the spiritual component of knowledge is missing out on the largest part of wisdom. So you've heard me say before that we read or I try to read the the scriptures with my Holy Spirit lenses on, I think so too. We need to, as painful as it is sometimes and as raw as it can make us, reintegrate and fully present in all of our spirituality approach learning, wisdom, both that we get academically and that we get from experience in every moment. And I'm like trembling as I talk about this because approaching life in this fully integrated way, it's scary. (laughs) It's hard. You know, thinking about being our whole selves in the world, man. And you know, I, I told you yesterday I've been talking to my really good friends and I was talking to a good friend yesterday and and she was really describing an experience and she's like, I mean, I don't think many people would understand this. And, and yeah, the truth is that they wouldn't, that most people we encounter aren't living life. from a place of connectedness, from a place where our spiritual selves, all of ourselves are fully integrated and, and we are aware. And I had a conversation like that with my son who feels like he has trouble connecting to his peers, that he connects better to adults and that he yearns for is lonely for the kind of deep compassion and um, well he didn't say the word compassion um, deep connection that he could have that he wants to have with friends where he has like really significant and profound conversations with them and he's like right now you're the only one in my life that I talk to like that and yes I understand my, my position as his mother especially in our particularly blessed family of two is, is going to be different. You know, he's not going to have maybe yet a deep connection like that, but I talked to him about, you know, people are in, are in different places and we have to meet each other where we are. You know, yeah, his friends aren't, aren't probably going to want to have deep philosophical conversations, um, which is, is kind of what he's into which is wonderful because he's exploring himself and the world around him and you know my 13 year old son is living a much more integrated life than I did at that age or that I did for a long time or that many people around me see so all that to kind of say this living our lives through the law of love and from a place of spiritual wholeheartedness is paradoxically going to sometimes feel that it separates us when in truth we are, we are reconnecting but we just have to remember that just as everyone is in a different stage of their life's journey Everyone's in a different stage of connectedness and not all people are just meant to have that deep understanding with each other. You know, I'm doing all this study and in spiritual direction, we talk a lot about anamkaras, right? Soul friends. Not everyone's going to be a soul friend and that's okay. It's definitely okay to have people that, you know, you connect with on... I don't want to say superficial but a different point that can lead to something else or that can be meaningful in itself even if there's someone that you only connect with through your love as of a sport like jack's friends on the rowing teams that can be a pathway to something deeper but we mustn't force it the unfolding of both wisdom and also love and connection and understanding all of these things It happens in God's own time and cannot be rushed. And I think there are times that we're tempted to rush and we need to maybe step back and reaffirm that connection with ourselves and with God. Because sometimes that connection with another human, like when we fall in love, that can be overwhelming and we can, I mean, that's why it's called falling. We can really rush headlong into that and it can disturb the deeper connection with ourselves and with God. And that's when I think things get a little unfocused and misplaced and we maybe start to to tip over into either an inappropriate prioritization which throws our world off kilter right or um, even idolatry but I've I've waxed on about that long enough so let's talk about our um, Old Testament reading so I want to say too I went back and read the introductory commentary to Genesis in my study Bible which I'm really loving um you know, I, I've talked a little bit recently about my Bible's getting kind of battered and really marked up and maybe it's time for a new one. But I'm really I'm really finding a lot of use out of this ecumenical study Bible. Um, it's the new Oxford Annotated Bible, fifth edition, an RSV, just in case you haven't heard me say that before. And the reason that I went back to the introduction is because I saw a note on our reading this morning that said that this is a non-priestly story. And I'm like, what does that mean? Well, I went back and I'm going to read this to you. This is from my commentary in the introduction to Genesis. Many important parts of Genesis, however, this is several paragraphs down, were not written until after the monarchy had fallen in 586 BCE and Judean leaders were living in exile in Babylon. According to many scholars, this is the time when the Abraham narrative was written and the theme of the promise of the land and much progeny was added to earlier stories about Jacob and Joseph. Through such new compositions and additions, former royal scribes adapted earlier writings about creation and ancestors to reassure the exiles of God's intent to bless them as God earlier had blessed their ancestors. Moreover, they use this theme of promise to link earlier separate stories to each other and to the Moses story that followed. Alongside these scribal adaptions, a group of priestly authors wrote a parallel version of many stories in Genesis. Skipping ahead a little bit. This layer of text in Genesis is called P for priestly source because of its strong links to other Pentateuchal texts in Exodus number Exodus through Numbers, that focus on the priesthood of Aaron and sacrificial worship at the tabernacle. Skipping ahead a little bit. The last major stage in the composition of Genesis was the combination of the older non-priestly writings about creation flood and ancestors with their priestly counterparts. This probably happened during the post-exilic period when exiles had returned and were rebuilding Jerusalem and its temple. The consolidation of parallel traditions now in Genesis and the, rest, and the rest of the Pentateuch resulted in a common Torah around which the community could unite. This contradiction, however, also—or this consolidation, however—also produ- produced contradictions in Genesis that can be seen by the attentive reader. So this is really interesting. So this passage that we read this morning is not one of those priestly texts, those parallel writings that was written to connect things. It's an older ancient text and so um, what my commentary has to say about it specifically is that this non-priestly story of Rebecca and Jacob's cunning resembles trickster traditions in other cultures where a culture hero flourishes through underhanded tactics women had little power and often had to use unconventional means to accomplish their goals deathbed blessings and curses were important in the life and literature of ancient peoples, it was believed that such blessings irrevocably released a tangible power that determined the character and destiny of the recipient. And then we have a reminder here that um, this is not a blessing that originates with Isaac, but it is a blessing that Isaac is transferring that was a divine blessing blessing first given to Abraham and I think all of this is just fascinating but it still doesn't help me (laughs) know what to do with this where Rebecca and Isaac I mean Rebecca and Jacob lie they lie to Isaac to get his blessing and I mean we are taught that honesty is always the way I believe honesty is always the way you know even in the incredible difficult time that I'm going through right now I'm doing my best, to be honest, but one of the things I've also learned in my life is that not everyone who asks me a question is my confessor, right? I I don't have to pour out all of my perceived sins every time everybody, anybody asks me how I'm doing, right? Um, and I think this kind of goes back to the 19th annotation and some of our talks that we had while I was going while I was doing the 19th annotation um, and Ignatius himself, who got caught in this um, loop of continued confession where he was confessing the same sins over and over again. Um, I definitely do that, and I believe that the root cause is that I have trouble forgiving myself. So there is... I honestly believe there's nothing in my life that I have not confessed to God and I know that God gave forgiveness before I even asked for it and yet I struggle with accepting that forgiveness and living my life walking on the path of holiness instead of the futile path of perfection where I'm trying to earn God's blessing. And so I think the way in which I can relate to this is that often in my life, I feel like I have to, through my own efforts, rest what I need from life. Whether it's pushing to get a task done or, in it's at its most twisted, like getting my priorities all out of whack and justifying doing what I'm doing, um, as opposed to... Accepting forgiveness, trusting and having faith in God to take care of me. And man, it is a difficult thing to balance. It really, really is. Because on the one hand, we want to be living a life out of, out of God's will from a place of love, not from a place of obligation and prescription. And I think that, and I'm going to be interested to see if this is where I go with my spiritual director over the next few sessions, because we've been talking a lot, um, and she's the one who really opened my eyes to the fact that I was still living this this life, assuming that what God wanted was perfection and trying vainly to be perfect, and that's not the definition of holiness at all. Holiness is something quite different than perfect so I'm intentionally trying to choose the way of holiness over the path of perfection which is unattainable and and so it's opening my eyes to a lot of things but it also it, it it's not a binary thing it's not like I'm choosing holiness over per- perfection and this is obviously not just as there are times when I believe that we are called to self-advocate and I believe we are called to advocate for others And we should stand up for ourselves and others. So I'm not saying here that we abdicate all all responsibility for action and we just say, God's got it it's all in God's hands and don't do it. I'm perhaps saying at the very least that we should pause and do that reconnecting we were talking about with respect to the Psalms and seek God's will. Ask the Holy Spirit. Spirit, what would you have me say? Spirit, what would you have me do? So I know I'm really delving into this story maybe a little bit awkwardly, but let's say that Rebecca believes that God intends for Jacob to have the blessing. Is she then praying and asking God, how do I make this happen? and the Holy Spirit is inspiring her with this idea of using trickery to gain the blessing, it just seems so odd. Like, I know we don't do absolutes, but it seems like lies can never be within God's will. And maybe that's partly my Quaker upbringing because, you know, we're taught honesty above all else. And as kids, we're told these stories about George Fox, the founder of Quakerism. Being honest to a fault um, and some of the goofy examples that they were using like telling the lady that her hat looks bad or whatever. But I think we have to go back to what we were talking about yesterday is the root love is, is the intent healing or is it just going to hurt? And sometimes healing and helping hurt. I get that. Absolutely. But let's look to what a lot of Christians call fruit or um, maybe in a more secular way, we would say the end result. What is this, or in spiritual direction, we would say consolation leading towards God or desolation leading away from God. So where is this leading? Is this leading towards God? Is this leading towards healing? And I'm not saying it's an ends justify the means thing. As a matter of fact, I'm inclined to think with this story that there's another way that it could have been done. That there's a way that didn't involve deceit. I know we're not dealing in absolutes, but I'm really not sure that God's way ever involves deceit. And I know that partly this section of the Bible is an explanation, almost a justification to the Hebrew people um, regarding their inheritance of land and genealogy and all these things. And, and so maybe I'm just like going way too deeply into a little part of, of, of that tradition. But I think for us the lesson here. is, again, seeking to be rooted in faith and love and having that connectedness to God and, and, <laughs> and retreating from binary thinking and allowing God to open our minds in love to the wisdom of love for ourselves as part of all creation and for all creation, And to really, you know, do our best to act from a place of Christ's love in prayer, seeking the fruit. Of healing and reconciliation and restoration and redemption and man this is hard it's not formulaic the law of love is is not formulaic it's not do a and B and then you will get to C. and but this is I believe this is this is the way of Christ is the way of love And it's not easy, but God is here with us. And I believe that our reward is in God and in relationship with God. And so perhaps, let's pray, God, just draw so near to us that we are guided by a deep, deeply rooted understanding of your love. An understanding that surpasses any human Thought process, rationalization, formula or method. Let us be deeply connected to you within us and to all creation, wholly integrated with ourselves, and also with you and creation, for these are all these are all one and the same. And may your holy trinity so love and guide us. Amen. All right, our New Testament reading. So we've been talking about integration a lot this morning, and this is kind of calling things out a little bit separately. It's first saying that we, it's, the first piece is pretty integrated, saying we love God so much we should give all of ourselves and love to God. Um, our, our very persons should be a living sacrifice to God. Everything we do should be giving up to God. And then there's an admonition that we should see each other as equal and equally gifted and appreciate each other's gifts that are so needed. And and I don't think that the intent here in this writing is to split out and like figure out who's got what gift at this point. I think it's just that there are that people are, are made unique you know we are we are all equal but we are also unique and we each bring our own giftedness and it is for God to develop that gifted giftedness within us and then we need to give it to each other because when we bring all our gifts together again not to be trite but it really is true the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts when we bring all that giftedness together We empower each other. We make complete our ability and capability as a community. And we can do marvelous things. It's kind of like we we unlock the power of God working through and in us because we can none of us do it On our own. We're meant to be together in community in so many ways within our churches, within our, even within our friend groups. You know, I've been talking a lot about how blessed I am by my friends. Each of my friends over this season of my life has brought me beautiful gifts of spiritual understanding and comfort and solace and peace and growth and I am so grateful for all of it and I'm doing my best with God's help to bring my whole self and to, as our prayer from St. Francis says, to understand rather than to be understood and it really is unlocking so much for me. even even in this time. And I'm really finding that a time of crisis is a beautiful time to be reminded that I'm not above anybody else, that I'm right down there in the mud and the muck fighting the fight, just like anybody else struggling with it, that there's there's not ever going to be a time on this earth that I am above the struggle, that I've got it figured out and that I'm not struggling. Um, Jen Hatmaker is doing a series on, on faith leaders and it's so helpful that even the great faith leaders are just regular people equal to the rest of us, living life, living through the struggle, doing the best that they can. and I think as I embark you know on the path to ordination that's such an important lesson of humility to learn is that no one is always the teacher no one is always the giver no one is always the fixer not even priests and bishops and and great faith leaders we are all at times the recipient the one in need the one receiving the one learning and one might go so far as to say we are all of these things at all times but there are definitely seasons in our life when we are we are struggling and we are in receive mode and we are receiving from others and that doesn't make us less beloved, less worthy, less transforming, less holy. It is it is just the the way of 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 living this life fully in the way of love, and I am incredibly thankful for the healing and restoration and redemption that that God is gracing me with through my friends. I am so thankful. I am humbled and awed and grateful. And I also, because it's and both, and I also do not feel that that diminishes me in the slightest. We can all be learning from each other. And this is a great lesson. Thank you all very much for listening. Wow, doing this first in the morning, it makes it so tempting just to take up my whole morning time with prayer. Not that there's anything like really wrong with that, but, <laughs> but I do have to get on with the rest of my day. <laughs> Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved son that when two or three are gathered together in Christ's name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. The grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. We live without fear for our Creator has made us holy has always protected us and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.